Yeah, kia ora everyone, welcome to this week's episode of, of Big Raps. I'm James Regan, filling in for Narelle this week again. Joining me is Alex Chapman. G'day, Chappy, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jimmy. They finally got the three of us back together. We've gone yeah. through I never HR, thought it would happen. Yeah. the HR <laughs> process after what happened last time. We've finally been given one more chance to be back on here together. Yeah, last last warning, last chance. Last warning. <laughs> and and I've had a few of those. that's another issue though (laughs) all right let's get straight into it uh the melbourne cup obviously um a dramatic and emotional one especially for kiwis uh first of all how do we all go did we lose or gain money we lost i think we know the answer to this don't we (laughs) look that's not a question uh absolutely lost um but as i said at the time um you know, if you if you're going to lose on, on the Melbourne Cup, that was a that was a pretty good way to do it. Um, what a, a, a special time for for J Mac and and Waller and the connections of of very elegant. Um, just an absolute peach, like an absolute peach of a ride from uh, James McDonald. So, yeah, look, we certainly didn't come away um, with pockets full of cash after that Melbourne Cup. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise! What a shock. Um, but yeah, a great a great watch nonetheless. Yeah, I'm going to actually take the opportunity to call out uh, Andrew Gordy, our fearless leader, oh, <laughs> who um, all week in the in the build up to this Melbourne Cup have been have basically written off very elegant. Said so no yeah. way, no way uh, can J Mac even James McDonald get this one home. Hmm. Uh, even right up until you know, the very last moment, was messaging the group chat saying, "Nah, sorry." Boys, no way is very elegant going to win here's, this one. Here's the message. So Gordy did a story, for those that didn't see it, on Bill Pomare, um on Sunday night. And all we knew at the time that it was going to be a horse racing story. And I texted our group chat saying that the three of us and Gordy are in saying, Gordy, I hope your story today is J-Mac telling me to not punt very elegant tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Gordy replied, Nah, it's a feature on Bill Pomare. Don't punt very elegant, though. He's not winning. <laughs> wow. That was on the record, Gordy. You were yeah, on, on the record. record. Yep. Yeah. But you were screaming him home during the race. How mm. uh, the tables have turned, eh? <laughs> but regardless of, of how we all obviously lost uh, on the punt, what a story. I mean, you touched on it there, Ollie, but Chappie, particularly for, for J-Mac and Chris Waller, but for, I guess, New Zealand's interest in the cup as well to kind of get that going once again, it, it was pretty special all around, wasn't it? I'm not even sure who yelled it out, but there was a news reporter in the newsroom who I've never even heard speak about horse racing, <laughs> scream out, get that up, yeah, you Aussie, <laughs> other word, um, which I was kind of like, is there that much level of patriotism or is it anti-Australianism or what is it? Um, but... It, a, a Kiwi horse, which they weren't even sure was going to be in the thing up until a couple of days beforehand, the Kiwi jockey who wasn't even going to be riding it, if it was going to be racing, that changed last second. The Kiwi owner, who is one of, by all accounts, the great human beings, and Chris Waller, it's, it is it is genuinely almost scripted. And if you had said that at the start of the day, this is what, or the start of the month, this is what's going to happen. Mm. This is how it's going to unravel. J-Mac's going to have his horse not come through. We might not have Very Elegant, but Very Elegant's actually going to run. And then it's going to go and bloody win and brain the favourite, and not just any favourite, the best favourite since Farlap. Mm. Yeah. 
that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, it was a special, special watch. It really was. Um, more Kiwis overseas. Uh, the All Blacks uh, are currently trotting their way through Europe, looking oh, like they're trotting. having a great There we go. There we go. <laughs> looking like they're having a great time. They certainly are on the field. Ollie, they really made light work of Wales in the end, a really special day for Bowden Barrett, of course. But what can we really take from that Wales game? Particularly, it was an understrength Wales squad, but still a tough place to go in Cardiff and, and a big occasion for a lot of those guys who haven't been or even played in front of that many people before. So what did you kind of take away from that Wales game? It had the potential to be a little bit of a banana skin game for the All Blacks, I think, um, and, and understrength Wales, but it was the first time that crowds have been allowed back at Principality Stadium uh, since the pandemic. So it was a huge occasion. Um, and, you know, Alan Wynne jones 149th test cap, which is extraordinary. Um, it did have the potential to be a banana skin game for the All Blacks, not necessarily ending in a Wales victory, but just ending in a, in a subpar All Blacks performance. So really good to see that that didn't happen. Um, I mean, talk about scripting things, Chappie. Bowden Barrett couldn't have scripted a, a better 100th game uh, for the All Blacks, could he? An intercept try inside three minutes, uh, a man of the match performance, a second intercept try uh, in the second half. I think it showed us, or maybe it showed Ian Foster a little bit more about what his best 15 is and potentially a few more question marks um, around what the best 15 is. I, I still I still don't think um, Foster knows what his best 15 is. I'm, I'm sure he does in some positions. But, you know, even if we're talking about Bowden Barrett, if you look at the first five role, um, you know, up until the the Australian League of the Rugby Championship, um, the 10 jersey was, was Richie Moanga's. Um, and he stayed behind for the for the start of that for for family reasons. Um, no one can begrudge him for that. Bowden Barrett gets the ten jersey and has absolutely taken his chance uh, with both hands. And credit to him. So you know you'd have to say now Bowden Barrett uh, is the first choice first five, and Richie Moanga is going to have to play that bench role. So it provides a really interesting look at just I think some of those key positions. And and you won't get a lot out of Italy this week, but you know the fact that they they put a lot of points on. Uh, on Wales, they were tested a little bit in the first half, but we always sort of knew the floodgates were probably going to open uh, in the second half, which they did. So I think uh, yeah, all in all, even though it was an understrength Welsh side, they'll be very happy that they they didn't slip up and, and make it closer than it ever should have been. Yeah, taking on Italy in, in Rome this weekend, which is always uh, maybe not the, the biggest challenge for the All Blacks, but it's always a good occasion. Italy always get up for this one, Chappie. What do you think we should see in terms of that team selection and potentially a bit of rotation as well? Um, given given it's it's a long trip, we well know, but it, it's getting towards the end of that as well. So maybe a good chance to rest and uh, recover some of these guys. Yeah, Artie Savi is the one that probably springs to mind that probably deserves a week off. Obviously, captained the team for... He's earned it, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Captained the team for a while and then played... Bar, Bar and Barrett was probably the best player on the field 100%. last week against Wales. Um, he, he deserves a week off. Does Bowden Barrett need a week off? Potentially. Um, and, and then you start looking at those next tier guys, the likes of um, Russell for Almore, or does Dane Coles come back in? Is this a really good opportunity for Sam Kane to come out and play 55 minutes, bearing in mind that he's still barely played since coming back? Um, is it a good chance for TJ Pettinata to start? Is it another midfield opportunity? It, 
I'm, I'm ba- I massively agree with Ollie in terms of I don't think the All Blacks know who their starting 15 is. And part of that has been down to COVID. It's been down to availability. It's been down to injuries in Sam Kane's case. Like You wouldn't want to try and select the open side trio or the loose forward trio at the moment. That'd be awfully difficult, uh, especially if Sam Kane comes into form. So it's, it's another opportunity for people to put their hands up and show what they're capable of. But even if they have absolutely standout games, unfortunately, and with all due respect to them, it's only Italy. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's what the game is. is it is a chance for players to show in Foster they can play international rugby. Uh, some of those players that you mentioned there, Chabby, who, quite frankly, have been subpar at best, and I'll throw a Safoamoa into that category, um, has not looked like an international quality hooker so far. And, and he's been given chances, been given chances to start and has done nothing to show Ian Foster that he should be in the frame. Uh, really, if we think France 2023, he's done nothing to show he should be in the frame for that. When you've got Samasoni Takeaho, on the other hand, doing everything right. So you look at a guy like that, massive opportunity for him. I'd expect a bit of tinkering in the midfield as well. Probably another chance uh, for Kuntu Paya to get a chance. And I think he looked has looked really good in the opportunities uh, that he's had. He's a good, strong ball carrier. He'll probably get over the game line a bit more and just combat that rush defence a little bit, which uh, will be good for the All Blacks. So you'd expect him to get a, a bit of a chance. But as you say, um, Jimmy and Chappie, a chance for those guys who have played big minutes to have a rest. Sammy Kane, Dane Coles, both of whom will probably start, get good minutes under their belt, um, and another chance for, for others to show that they can play international footy. Josh Lord as well. Mm, yeah, um, Josh Lord. And you just say to him, go out there and do your thing, mate. There's no pressure. We know we're going to win. Just go be you. Certainly, probably Ian Foster's sitting back and going, they've got the results. Obviously, they've been playing bloody well. And it's also been a great chance under some pretty trying circumstances with the travel, and it's been pretty ruthless to get a look at how these guys cope, not just on the field, but probably away from it as well, and how they gel as a team, bearing in mind he's still, as you say, Ollie. And, and Chappie as well, trying to figure out his best 15, but also looking at how they work together as a squad. Do you think that's probably the biggest benefit from this end-of-year tour, given the circumstances as well, Ollie? Yeah, I think so. And I think um, games like the USA and, and and Wales, to a certain extent as well, given it was an understrength side, is, is, is kind of perfect because it's actually not too far away from, from the World Cup. You know, it's a couple of years away, so... Ian Foster will want to start locking in a few names to that, you would think, or at least getting a a decent gauge as to whether uh, this player here who I'm testing out at the moment, whether he's a realistic chance of featuring in France uh, in 2023. And I think this is starting to answer a few of those questions there. We've we've mentioned guys like uh, Asafo Amor already, but... You know, even looking in the halfbacks, you know, they'll take take three halfbacks to the World Cup. Obviously, Aaron Smith is going to be one of them. Then it's really interesting. I think Brad Webber's had a great, great tour. I think he is probably, in my opinion, the second halfback. Of course, when Aaron Smith is normally uh, in the frame, I would say Brad Webber is probably second to Aaron Smith. Um, you know, so a chance probably for Finlay Christie to get another run. Uh, and just to, to show to Ian Foster, hey, uh, don't forget about me. So... It will answer a few of those questions. I think you'll see, like I say, a, a different midfield. I feel like the, the David Harvey alb combo has just started to slip away. And obviously, ALB is still going to be the first choice centre. But, you know, maybe a, a chance to change that up a little bit. So, um, you know, even though there have been some easy wins, um, they'll be getting a lot out of it. All right. Staying in Europe, the Blackburns 
uh, handed a pretty hefty defeat to, to England in that first test, bearing in mind as well it was two years, over two years, I think, since their last game. So I guess a lot to take out of it. Nine debutants as well, so they would have been pleased to get some new players in there. But Chappie, was this a bit of a shock to you or was it kind of expected given, I guess, what the Black Ferns have been through with, with that lack of game time and a, and a disrupted Farah Palmer Cup as well? Yeah, and, and that's another very good point is a lot of these players didn't play back into Farah Palmer Cup, so are coming off a couple of months of no footy, whereas the, a lot of the English girls were um, regularly playing footy. I wasn't surprised. I was disappointed, as you always are when you see a New Zealand team get pumped. Um, but to, to have not played for two years and to have to go up against your fiercest rival, like, imagine if that happened to the All Blacks. Mm-hmm. Imagine if the All Blacks didn't play for two years and then their first game back was against mm-hmm. the Springboks mm-hmm. in, in South Africa. <laughs> like, it, mm, it, you got to contextualise these things. And it, it's at the moment for the Black Ferns, it's about how they just gel together and how, similar to the All Blacks, how they're able to build depth and get that next generation of players coming through so that if they do have an awful injury or if someone gets ruled out with COVID or whatever, but they're still able to put on a really fantastic show, bearing in mind as well, there is a home World Cup here. So that is their target at the moment, is winning that home World Cup. And it's just it's taking their time and easing back into the contact and the physicality and the pressure and the workload and just what a test week looks like will be unfamiliar for so many of them that it, it just takes a little bit of time. Mm. I'm not worried. Glenn Moore's a very good coach. Yeah, Ollie, another game this week against the same opposition. What do you expect to see from the Blackburns this time around, given they'll have that crucial game under their belt and also that, as Chaffee said, that lead-in to the, to the game as well, that build-up week, which will be so unfamiliar for so many of them? Yeah, I, I expect certainly a better showing. Um, I wasn't, much like Chaffee, I wasn't surprised that the Blackburns lost. They haven't played in two and a half years. Um, that wasn't surprising. I was surprised that the scoreline was uh, as large as it was. Um, but, you know, this is a team that's really finding its feet again in international rugby. And and as you mentioned before, kind of in rugby in general, it's been a bit of a long break for some of these guys. COVID's disrupted the FPC. A lot of those Black Ferns didn't play the back end of the FPC um, because they were in camp. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an important tour because it gets them, importantly, back on the park. It gets all those routines um, back under their belts. It, sh- it introduces a new calibre of player to the international scene. And for, for realistic, the, the, the two biggest threats to their World Cup defence are England and France. So it's important that they're playing these guys. Uh, I would love to see them play probably some more uh, next year because, you know, I do worry that they're going to go into that World Cup a, a little bit underdone. But... Um, you know, there is some class right across this team and and players who have played international rugby a lot. So um, they will be fine. They've just obviously lost a bit of ground over the last two and a half years, and you'd expect that. Um, you'd absolutely expect that. I think as long as you see continued improvement throughout this tour, um, then we, we should be okay. You know, if we're going backwards or if we're seeing the same results, in, you know, in three weeks' time at the end of the second France test, then there's probably cause for a little bit of concern. But as long as you're seeing continued improvement, um, you'd have to think that coupled with, you know, Super Rugby Opiki next year and FPC, that and more Test Rugby, of course, that uh, come World Cup time, they will be right. Yeah. Bearing in mind as well, they were arguably without their two best players. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. 
the ones yeah. that have been playing rugby this year. Yeah. Wanted to touch on, as you mentioned, Ollie, Super Rugby Opicky, those squads announced. And if anything, it's just ramped up the excitement for, for this competition, which is going to be amazing. It's really needed as well, but it's going to give a lot of those players some really good game time next year across New Zealand, which is, as I said, needed. But Ollie, what do you expect from not just the teams, but the competition as a whole? Is it kind of it's starting to take shape a little bit now? It is. Uh, I expect the Chiefs to win it and win it comfortably. Can I ask you, how much money have you put on the Chiefs? <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking at that squad, holy hecka. Um, you know, Alan Bunting just calling in all the old Blackfern 7s yeah. uh, favours again. That is um, that is some squad that the Chiefs have got, holy. Um, so I expect them to win it by some distance, if we're being <laughs> honest. Um but what it, what it's going to do is it's going to it means that the gap from what what was far Palmer Cup to international rugby is not as wide. It's just another bridge toward international rugby. It exposes more players that depth uh, of player that we have in New Zealand to to more game time. And you know some of those uh, young Black Ferns, you know Alana Bremner for example, who made her debut over the weekend, getting to play against the likes of Portia, Kelly, Ruby Tui, Sarah Hidden, those. Um, those real stars of the game and, and you know, Chelsea Ali, Liz Elder, um, Aloise Blackwell, these are established Black Ferns who are going up against those that are trying to make their way in the sport and, and probably trying to break their way into that squad. So I think that'll be really valuable to test themselves uh, against that calibre of opposition. And just, you know, more, more game time is, is, is never a bad thing, um, you know, really regardless of... of who wins it or by how much the Chiefs win it. Uh, it doesn't really matter too much because any game time, particularly in a World Cup year, is good. And I hope we see that competition just go from strength to strength. I'm sure we will. It is laden with, with Blackburns, which you would kind of hope and expect. But Chappie, how much will particularly the, the younger players benefit from playing, as Ollie kind of touched on, week in, week out, in that environment with players who have been around for a long time? How much does that actually help a player. Well, it's the difference between amateur and professionalism and not saying that Farah Palmer Cup doesn't have aspects of professionalism, but it is being around the likes of the players that I'll mentioned and just seeing every day how Portia Woodman works to be one of the best players in the world or for a young first five to spend some time with someone like a Kelly Brazier and how much, how many extra kicks she takes after a training when everyone else is gone. Uh, it's just understanding how to be a rugby player is essentially at the core of this and, and the growth and the development of the game. And we saw it with the men's game when Super Rugby came along. The difference and the disparity between NPC and Super Rugby all of a sudden dramatically changed. And unfortunately, and this is where I hope it doesn't hurt Farah Palmer, is we're now seeing All Blacks not playing NPC. That's what I think NZR needs to get the balance in. And at this stage, the way that Alpaki is, is set up is it's not going to be a full entire season like Super Rugby Pacific is going to be, for example, or Super Rugby, whatever form it's been over the last 20 years has been, that we will still see Canterbury tearing it up in the Farah Palmer Cup. Mm. All right, moving on from, from rugby. That's enough rugby chat for one episode. Uh, the Black Caps are in full swing at the T20 World Cup. Um a, a touchy result against uh, against Scotland. Sorry, I just lost you there for a second. But a tough result against Scotland. But they got the got the job done thanks to Martin Guptill. Uh Chaffee, how impressive was he? Up the gut. <laughs> uh, he he was bloody impressive. 
and just hitting in ways that I haven't seen Martin Gabriel hit before as well. We know there's always going to be the gut. I'm sorry for those listening, but I'm now going to start showing my very terrible shots. Um, like we know there's always going to be the standing up cut shot through point. And we know there's always going to be the head down. Yes, Ollie, the head down drive where he just keeps his head down and stares at his pitch, which is the most alpha move I think I've ever seen in cricket. But he was doing the like almost the Ross Taylor flick off the toes over deep square. Uh, and he just looked buggered. And apparently it's Glenn Phillips' fault. It's nothing to do with the heat. This is all from <laughs> teammates who just wants to run toes all the time. So um, I was a bit concerned, to be honest, that we may have ended up losing that game. And I was saying to you earlier, old, that I, I saw the game finish and still had dreams that we had lost the game. <laughs> Uh, because I have deep-seated fear and post-traumatic stress in my system as being a New Zealand cricket fan, despite the fact that we've now won silverware. So, um, yeah, in summary, Martin Gupto, good at cricket. <laughs> like caps. Remember about a year ago when people were calling for Finn Allen to come in and replace Martin Gupto? This happens you, every year. You know, like, it, I feel like, we were talking about this earlier on, on another call, like, does, does Guppy get the respect that he deserves no. in New Zealand no. cricket? Like, no. I, I, a kind of a run of form where he's not in uh, the runs as much as he would like. And suddenly everyone's calling for the guy to be replaced. Like this is like the second highest run scorer in international T20 cricket. Like, can we just remember who we're talking about here? This um, is one of our three greatest white ball players. You know, like I think. he is, he just turns it on. And, you know, when the pressure, when he's up against it and, um, I was at University Oval for that um, big innings against Australia when when really he had been out of the runs and everyone was saying, you know, Finn Allen should be in there. And Finn Allen is a very good cricketer, don't get me wrong. But it was just like, it was almost like a stuff you, this is how classy I am. Don't you remember who, you, who you're talking about here? Um, and he just went out and he hit Australia to all parts of the ground. And it was really cool to see. And and again, cool to see the, the way that he, he played overnight um, against Scotland to... Um, you know, to post 93, and he'll be disappointed not to reach um, triple figures, I'm sure. Um, but apparently he lost about four and a half kgs out in the middle <laughs> while he was batting. So I think he probably just needs to lie down for a bit. Um, but yeah, that yeah, Guppy is a, is a special, special man. Um, and, you know, sometimes I just know, I'm not sure he always gets the credit he, he actually deserves. Mm-hmm. Definitely doesn't. New Zealand, um, as we say, are well on the board after an amazing performance against India as well. We're starting to get a sense of what the competition is looking like. Both of you, Chappie, you first. Who can win this tournament? England. Of course you asked that, Jimmy. Of course you asked that because <laughs> you know sure. what the answer is. I'm not sure what you mean. Please uh, elaborate. England. England. Oh, don't know about I will be stunned if they do not win <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually, can you turn your right, screen off so we don't have to look at you? They should absolutely. If England do not win this, if they do not win this World Cup, that would be what what that would be a bigger shock than than the All Blacks losing the 2015 World Cup to Australia. Like that, that, this is just absolutely a dead cert for England, isn't it? Isn't it? It, it, it yeah, should be. It should be. Um, I'd hate to see. I'd hate to see them choke at the final hurdle. <laughs> well, if there's one thing England do well, it's choke. I look forward to them losing to Pakistan in the final. That's right. Um, they'll lose this one and then they'll win the Ashes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'd, I'd take that because I'm not looking forward to it at all. Their team at the moment, and it has been probably for the last four years in both forms of white ball cricket, are just 
incredible. And Josh Butler is probably the greatest ever white ball player. And if you were to do an all-time England white ball team, regardless of one day or T20, most of the guys in this current team would make it. And yes, Ben Stokes would make it, obviously, but he would be in this team if he wasn't recovering from injury and making his way back for the Ashes. But you look at Butler, Bairstow, Owen Morgan, not English, though. Um, <laughs> <Brooks. laughs> Al Rashid, Moin Ali. Um, Christchurch born Ben Stokes. <laughs> you know, yeah, how many of them are you? Uh, but they are an incredibly well-balanced team, which are molded off the 2015 Brennan McCullum League Black Caps team. So if anything, if England win the World Cup, it should go to New Zealand. Well, that wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Correct. Oh, good Lord. Anyway, let's, um, <laughs> before you two start feeling sorry for yourselves again, uh, let's, let's wrap it up uh, quickly with some MVPs of the week. Ollie, I'll go to you first. Who are we going? Uh, I'm going Martin Guptill. Um, I had a different one uh, yesterday, but seeing, <laughs> yeah. seeing that overnight um, and the, the manner in which he dispatched um, Scotland around the ground and, you know, some of those strokes, as, as Chappie's demonstrated, were, were just ah, next level. Um, Very well demonstrated as well. We, that, absolutely. Yeah. I think I would be proud of that as well. Yeah. Um, we we it's, as, it's strong as top hand cricket fans, um, I feel we're massively indebted to, to Guppy. He's a, he's a great man. Um, so... He is my uh, MVP, and I hope he gets some rest and um, put some of that weight back on. <laughs> Chappy. Uh, we bagged him earlier, but uh, Andrew Gordy is going to be my MVP this week for getting incentivized in the office sweepstake. <laughs> the uh, shortest favourite since yeah, Farlap nice. wasn't going to win the Melbourne yeah. Cup. Very nice. Yeah, yeah if, there, if there ever there was a curse for a, for a horse... It's it's the top dog in the office getting him into speech today, <laughs> which you really love to see. You really love to see that. Followed closely by Ollie Ritchie Evan. being last place in the Melbourne uh, <laughs> Cup sweepstake. Well, so uh, I'm going to stick. I'm going to I'm going to stick uh, with the Melbourne Cup and obviously go James McDonald and very elegant for that Melbourne Cup uh, win. I mean, what a story! Uh, what a way to really celebrate New Zealanders uh, and horse racing. So fantastic work. To everyone involved with Very Elegant and also uh, everyone making it through safely as well, I'm pretty sure, which is, which is always great to see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, a, a huge win for, for the industry as well would be needed after last year as well. So, uh, yeah, that's it. That's us for another week. A huge weekend of sport uh, coming up. You can keep up to date with new, on newshub.co.nz, obviously. Uh, and, yeah, thanks for joining us, lads. See you, mate.